The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Rockheads, get your head out of that internet tube and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Jeff Maciolik, here to announce show number 186 with guest Mark Mercury, recorded live Thursday, July 6th, 2006. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net training developers to work smarter, and now offering a whole suite of on-site and remote classes in .NET 2.0 technologies. Online at www.franklins.net. And by Data Dynamics, makers of ActiveReports.net. Simple, powerful, and cost-effective reporting for Windows Forms and ASP.NET web applications. Online at www.datadynamics.com. And by Code Magazine, the leading independent magazine for .NET developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com. And now, the man who likes RSS just a little too much, Carl Franklin. Thank you very much. We're back. Carl and Richard here, .NET rocks. So, uh, we're actually recording this in advance, um, because you're in Japan right now. I am in Japan right now. <laughs> well, you're leaving I... tomorrow, but at this moment, when people are listening to this, probably you're in Japan climbing Mount Fuji. That's right. So how uh, how's the atmosphere up there, Richard? Well, you know, 12,000 feet. It's not as bad as it was in Kilimanjaro, but it looks like it's going to be raining, so odds are I'm not going to be particularly enthusiastic up here. You have to tell us if Adam pukes again. Well, the real question is whether Adam will make it to the top or not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we kid him. He's going to kill us for that, too. He's, I'm still torturing <laughs> we, we, him. We kid him. We kid him. Yeah. Well, uh, got a quick email to read, right, Richard? Yeah, I got this one. Week? It's a good one. It's got This one's from Damien Peterson uh, out of New Zealand. So, you know, homeland for me. I'm all excited. Yeah. Uh, and he surrounded the email with irony tags, <laughs> just in case you weren't sure. <laughs> Hi, Carl and Richard. Love the show. Yada, yada, yada. Great. <laughs> I would like to propose the introduction of Conjunction Awareness Day. On this day, you could interview developers, Americans, Microsoft staff, and every time they respond to a question with, so, you could overdub a sound that brings attention to the error, perhaps the sound of a donkey braying. <laughs> Not only would this make for an entertaining episode, but if the message sinks in, you'll save some valuable bandwidth on future shows. <laughs> That's it's ridiculous. <laughs> and this just seems so appropriate considering the show we're about to do. Yeah. I'm not so sure if it should be enclosed in irony tags or tongue-in-cheek tags, maybe. But, I don't know. I don't know. 
Well, it was funny anyway. It's been a long-running <laughs> gag on the show that uh, that the Microsoft uh, blue badges always answer a question. They start their answer with so. So, and uh, you just listen. Go back and listen to the shows. You'll, it's you'll it's see. absolutely true. And it because they realize every every answer requires some history. That's right. Some you know, explanation. You've got to know how it got there. It's actually a pretty good uh, habit to be in, actually, if you think about it. And you're not forcing yourself to answer yes or no, right? I also think that the so is really about, now how am I going to answer this? I need a few seconds. <laughs> well, speaking of blue badges, we have one with us today uh, for a very special product announcement. Mark Mercury is here, and he's from the Vista team. Mark, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I am a, uh, an architect evangelist. Notice I didn't start that with so. Yeah. Uh, on the, uh, <laughs> All right. Good. It was a struggle. It was a struggle. Um, on the, the Windows Server Evangelism team. And, and what I do is I work with uh, our Fortune 100 customers on mm-hmm. adopting our next generation technology. So I focus a lot on uh, WCF, WF, and InfoCard. Yeah. Now, we were at uh, TechEd just weeks ago. And uh, one of the perks of being a regional director is you get these side meetings that they set up just for RDs, and we get to hear about things that are happening, things that are coming up. And uh, you were there talking about a very, very interesting uh, product. So here's, yeah. here's the introduction of this product to the world. Tell us about it. Sure, sure. So the, the product name is something called uh, Information Center or Info Center. And as I mentioned, I work with a lot of you know, these Fortune 100 customers and, and had a chance to spend a lot of time with them. I give them uh, the architectural guidance and help them go through the, the full life cycle and, and got to know their developers. Mm-hmm. And, and the issues they kept coming back to me were pretty consistent, right? They said they had issues around uh, discovery, uh, access, and, and community. So, uh, you know, the big thing was is that there's so much content out there today, but they don't know where to find it. And if, right. they, don't, and if they can find it, they don't know what the good stuff is. I mean, if you think about on Microsoft, we have MSDN, right? But we have Channel 9, TechNet, ASP.NET, which right. a lot of people are familiar with. And then there's uh, there are umpteen other different sites that are out there. So there's msdomino.net, is.net, netfx30.com, just one out there. Yep. Um, and there's it's the WeRock.net stuff. There's that. You know, and that's before we get to uh, to blogs and, you know, great sites like, like yours and things like that. So how do people find that other than going out to the web and, and looking for it? Right. So they were like, can you, can you help us out with something that's going to be able to help us discover this content? So I don't need to go look for it. It's going to find me. And then ideally, if I can tell you what I'm interested in, maybe it can bubble up the good stuff to the top. Yeah. That's the trick, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're basically talking about uh, technology-wise, about RSS underneath, right? Yeah. Yep. So what we built is uh, a we. It's the royal we. It's what I built. Sure. Um, is a, um, a smart client application that is entirely based on RSS. So if you think about it almost like a, in television, right, you have a TV guide, so there's a feed that has essentially the feeds that, that we've sort of highlighted and want to be able to, to pass down to folks. Mm-hmm. Um, now what you, and it ties back not just to, to content, but also goes back to things like bits, right, because, you know, we do lots of CTPs. I, That's I'm with, a, a background intelligent transfer system service, something like that? Well, it, we do that... F- for the the blog entries and the content and the enclosures mm-hmm. for for the feeds for the actual bits themselves, I I took that feature out. Okay. Because depending on what we sent, you know, if it was just running in the background automatically, it could end up filling up your drive pretty quickly. Yeah. 
Um, I, I know here at Microsoft Blue Badges, we just get an obscene amount of mail. Uh, and I'm always running out of disk space. So that's something that, that's off, but it, it'll bring it up so it's uh, available to be presented uh, inside of the application. So within the app, I've created all these different uh, controls that are all RSS or RSS item driven. Mm-hmm. So you can actually take everything in his feeds and display them out. So you know, the other benefit there is that you know, the, you know, I'm a realist, and as much as I'd like to say that everything uh, will run on Microsoft or is running on Microsoft, you know, my customers that I work with are lots of banks, right? So they've been around, some of them, for over a century. Right. So they have these legacy systems that are in place. They have some um, mainframes that are there. They have some Oracle that's there. And what they said to me is, this thing sounds really good, but it needs to be able to incorporate our other stuff. So one of the questions people ask me is, why isn't this a portal? And it's like, well, you know, I'm not going to – I doubt Bill Gates is going to let me post IBM stuff on MSDN right. and that sort of thing. But what you can do is, because it's all feed-based and the feeds are stored outside of the application, you can go ahead and, and remix in whatever you want. So you can actually mix in your other stuff. So it's not just um, a channel whereby information comes down, although you have those. Yeah. It's you add your own channels. You subscribe just like you would in any other aggregator. Yeah. 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 So you can do, and the nice thing is that especially with, with Office 2007, we see corporate blogging really taking off. Mm-hmm. So there's no reason why, you know, it has to be necessarily like a mainframe channel. You can also, or a Microsoft channel, you could put in, you know, a Contoso channel where it has all of your best practices with enclosures to documents, um, your corporate blogs and that sort of thing. So you can start doing a lot of really interesting things and remix it however you want. Um, and for us, it's just a really good opportunity to, to help you discover things that are, are better with the platform. Because I know when I first started out, you know, there was MSDN right. and, and ftp.microsoft.com. So, right. I mean, there, yeah. there are two places to look, but now it's just, it's, it's unwieldy for folks. And we have, I don't know how many more products, you know. Right. So I guess the key to this whole thing is going to be discovery. How does somebody find something new, or how does the tool find new sources of information to bring in? Yeah, and i got to imagine that a good portion of what you guys have done has been going out and aggregating the feeds, finding a, you, know, you know, that list of all of that content and trying to put it you know, in, a, in some way that it can be discovered. Sure, sure. There's there's one thing that we have. So when you open it up, we've got sort of a featured blogs or featured list. So it's mm-hmm. basically going to be the ones that we want to make sure that you're aware of, mm-hmm. right? So and you can mix in your own, of course, uh, if you want to change the feed. But by and large, that's going to give you the things that are latest and greatest, things you may not be aware of. And then behind that, there is the list of the aggregated feeds. So the thought is here that um, you know we're putting together these right now because. We're working with, and I say we, as a lot of folks here in the evangelism team, we're intimately familiar with the new sites that are coming up. And, yeah. and you know, uh, Kevin Schuler from the RD program lives uh, literally next door to me in, in, in the office here in Building 18. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of contacts here, and we just sort of accumulate all the ones that, that we know about. And then the thought is that people are going to be able to connect up with us and provide more feedback through there. And there's also another um, slice in here, which is community, right? So once you've discovered the content and you start playing around with the stuff, you want to be able to talk to other people. And in addition to the Usenet news groups, there's now these Microsoft forums that we have that are managed and help get some of the spam out. Yeah. And then there are other forums that other people have, right? So there, there are different discussion groups and wikis and things like that. What I see doing here is that everything behind this is driven off of RSS and mm. a set of RSS controls. Mm-hmm. So I see incorporating this into a later version into Visual Studio so I can pull my feeds down that are relevant there. There's another aspect in it that does searching, right? So uh, one of the things that, that I like to do is I like to look, you know, like most developers, you need to find stuff sometimes. And right. sometimes it's in blogs, sometimes it's in wiki, sometimes it's on, you know, ultimately we'd like you to go to live. Sometimes you may go to Google. And sometimes you may want to search Channel 9. So we've got a drop down is you can pick any of the major sites 
enter in your, your search. And then based on the different types of sites, you can just go ahead and click different um, icons on the screen to see what the results are on the other engines. So if you're looking for something, you can find it very, very quickly in, in a navigated way. So you've got um, the major sites, you've got blogs, you've got wikis, uh, and you've got forums. Yeah. Now, I've got several questions here. Sure. One of my first questions is, uh, going back to something you said about bits and about the hard drive filling up, I have been um, developing a similar product with not the quite the UI, although it started with UI, and then I started building it as a gray Windows form app, and I haven't merged the two together yet. But anyway, uh, so I'm well familiar with this problem of you know files piling up, and the way I got around that is by setting a maximum day, uh, you know, like a time to live kind of thing. So that for every feed, I have a default value of like 10 days. And after 10 days, they get deleted or they get moved or something or something happens. But that way, when, I'm, when I go to my list of podcasts that I download and listen to, I know that they're, they're at least 10 days fresh. So, and I don't have an overabundance of shows. Because there are times, you know, you go away on vacation and your computer is sitting there aggregating and chunking and chunking away. And when you get back, you don't necessarily want to listen to the old stuff first and try to catch up. You want to listen to the current stuff and maybe go back to the old stuff if you have time, right? It's like a newspaper. Yeah. Well, just like I, um, I travel quite a bit. I record uh, The Daily Show, right? Yeah. The Daily Show from three weeks ago isn't quite as topical when you watch it. It's exactly. still funny, yeah. but uh, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we went about it a, a different way, and actually, I like your way. Maybe I'll tweak it. I've got a week before it actually launches. Woohoo! So. <laughs> the benefit of being the whole, whole team, you get to make decisions on that sort of thing, That's right? That's right. Um, basically, it's based on file size. With, with the, the bit side of the house, we took it out, mm-hmm. um, primarily because that's also going to include VPCs. Yeah. You start getting into the gigabytes range, where it got pretty obscene. Right. Um, but I, I spent a couple weekends filling up my hard drive for trying to figure out exactly what the right mix was and said, you know, that's probably not going to work. Right. But uh, but I like your idea. It, if if you give me free license, I may incorporate it back into. Absolutely, it's a great. It works great for me, and um, I, I use it that way, and it works fine. The next question I have is um, in terms of discoverability. Uh, you may or may not be aware of this little program called um, um, uh, iTunes. But, yeah, I've I've heard of it. Okay, there's a, that little company out there with yeah, the little, thing. Yeah, a little company with the with the guys in black and the sunglasses and the blonde hair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this program, you know, um, was a big boon for us. .NET Rocks when they implemented podcasting support. Uh, all the podcasters suddenly realized the value of scalability, and what I mean by that is most of them got overwhelmed with requests for bandwidth. But iTunes has, you know, we publish podcasts for other companies. For example, Eastern Mountain Sports, we're doing a show called Blue Pizza. We've done three of them. And one of the, one of the items of service that we do for our, these customers is we submit their podcast to iTunes. Now, it really only took us about three weeks once we submitted uh, our show to iTunes for the second time. But that's another story. Um, this time it's taken like, 90 days, and we still don't have anything, and talking to them, they're very overwhelmed, Apple is, with all of the podcast submissions that they're getting. And if you think about this as an economist, what incentive do they really have to pay people to go f- through these submissions and put them into their database? They have a database. You know, it's got some shows in it. That's really all they need. Do they really need to 
Do you know what I'm saying? There isn't really an incentive for them to do that. And yet, that um, discoverability point in iTunes is the most uh, effective way for people to discover your podcast. Right. Well, so, no, I'm, I don't want to talk about competition. But well, the reason that. I brought it up is because are you guys planning to do a similar thing where you're going to, you know have some sort of submission service where, you know, there's going to be some big list that people can can add to for discoverability. So, uh, let me start with that one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to get that in. Uh, it was awesome. Oh. Here's five bucks. Brilliant. That was beautiful. Brilliant. <laughs> I've been holding it in the entire show. All right. The uh, the thing about that is, is is absolutely right, but you need to keep in mind that this is this is a grassroots project, right? So sure. it's it's sort of a let's take a wait and see attitude. I think from some other, if I were to look at that other situation you were talking about, yeah. In that scenario, they've sold you the box, right? If they're not, if they're not making any money off of the subscription, right? There's really not a vested interest to help exactly. People out there. That's my from, point. From the perspective here, though, it's a bit different, right? Because we're looking to get people to adopt the technology and have a continuing relationship and be able to really grow their skill sets. I mean, when I was, um, you know, thinking back in the early VB days, right, you know, before the Usenet got populated with spam and things like that, you mm-hmm. could get access to some of the greatest minds that were developing software at that time. They mm-hmm. could provide a lot of information. And that fostered a lot of innovation. A lot of software developers started back then, right? I mean, how many right. people do you know that have been around, uh, you know, 10 years or more that were philosophy majors in college? And, uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, and that sort of thing. And I'd like to be able to foster that same sort of excitement again. So th- there's definitely a difference. Uh, you know, we're not selling the boxes as such, right? In, in theory, right. you already have the operating system. Uh, and then for the next generation of this stuff, I actually want to be able to take it and put it into um, – SharePoint web parts. And I've actually got some prototypes of that right now. So cool. you can put this stuff on your corporate internet because the other thing is that it's great for you to get it in a one-to-one scenario. Mm-hmm. But what if I, you know, for whatever reason, I can't deploy it out to my desktop right away because they don't have the framework there uh, just yet. Yeah. We'll give them web parts and they'll be able to access it on the web. And it's really just about helping people find the content because there are a lot of people out there that would be very interested in some of the stuff that's there and they just don't know that it's there. Or, uh, you know, when you talk about blogs, what's valid? Back to what you said about, uh, you know, not wanting to make it a portal. You guys don't want it to be a portal that you run, but other people would want to consume this thing as a portal. So having it, but you know, something a little closer, an intranet portal, put it on the the SharePoint site so the company has a portal point to all this source of information. Mm. Right, exactly, exactly. And that's one of the, the, the beauties about doing RSS, right, is that by providing all the base content behind this as, as um, RSS, you can build all, out all these different types of components, whether we do it or somebody else does it. Um, and it, I'm hoping it's really going to sort of uh, excite a lot of people to do some very interesting things. I know that, you know, working with the, the WCF and WF folks, one of the most interesting things is seeing where people take the technology and start doing things with it in the wild. And I'm hoping that this is open enough that people start doing some very interesting things. Now, here's another question. One of the techniques that I used in Popcatcher to make it easy for people to subscribe to channels or to RSS feeds is to turn the RSS URL into a little text file with an extension that's well known to my app and registered to my app. So when they double click on it, um, that loads up the file, loads up the application. It can read the the URL, et cetera. There you go. So now people can just link to put those links, you know, on their websites 
um, to these little application files and, you know, they're automatically associated. I think that um, when we're talking the masses here, that until we have something like that, you're, it's going to be very difficult to to get mass appeal. Now I know that you know this is the the blog sector, the Microsoft development sector that this came out of. But this kind of application is sorely needed just in you know in the in the wild, right? I mean, look at the popularity of iTunes just for podcasts. This sort of thing, you know, with like like what Internet Explorer is doing, for example, with you know just add a feed that kind of stuff. Um, are you guys planning on? Doing anything like that, or do you still have to subscribe by cutting and pasting a URL? So, it's actually, you bring up a very good question. It actually ties back to the origins of how this whole thing got started. Okay. So, uh, one of the things we do is we're tied to a couple programs. I work on one called Enterprise Go, which is enterprise focused. We have one called Ascend, which is for ISVs, mm-hmm. but we generate content for them on DVDs. And way back, you know, in, when I first started doing software back in the early early '90s, we were doing search engines on on CD. And my biggest gripe back then was is that you put together all this content, but it was only as good as the day that you burned it. Right. So yeah. we wanted to be able to give these DVDs to people because you know the web is is a wonderful thing. But you know I've worked uh, a fair amount uh, in Latin America, and Dominican Republic is a beautiful place. But you want to download VPCs or want to download things, it's yeah. just not realistic. Right. So let's ship them uh, DVDs, but give them this interface that will be able to use the DVD and online and be, you know, whether you're online or nice. offline, be able to, to use the content. So that's what this is designed for. So we actually have a, a file extension. Again, that name is, is in flux until next week. There yeah. are a couple of concerns about that. I know. That's a creative decision, really. But, uh, but the, the goal is that this is going to be something that's in the root of the CDs or it's going to be online. And essentially, it's an RSS feed that's brought in uh, and... Uh, automatically brings up brings up the UI. That's great. So it's not going to matter where where it exists. So, so, so I hadn't thought about it from the web, but absolutely. Well, yeah, on the web it makes sense because if somebody's got a channel and somebody's got uh, you know on their on their server and they want to support Information Center as a client, they can just put the little icon up there linking to the to the to the file. It makes perfect sense. I mean, that's the kind of aggregation that I'd like to see. You know, they're already doing that somewhat with iTunes, although it's really kind of tricky to do that with iTunes. But um, you know who's doing a good job with this kind of stuff is Feed Demon. Have you seen these guys? Uh, I have, yeah. Yeah. They So they have, uh, you know, links like this. And they do a pretty good job. It's, um, you know, a $40 program, but it does the kind of stuff that you're talking about. It doesn't have the interface that you have. They sort of go for a, u- a newspaper sort of look and feel, you know. Yeah, and I think one of the things is that when I built this out, I built it out with... Um, .NET Framework 2.0, I didn't use the, the Framework 3.0 components. So I didn't use WPF and WTF yeah. and WF, which, as someone who evangelizes that, I appreciate them much more having not used them, having <laughs> to go back to, to just 2.0. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the things you're going to see is that when we get to that that level, WPF just provides a whole new level of of uh, look and feel and yeah. um, the, the newspaper-type experience. There's a customer of ours that's doing some interesting stuff right now, and it's just phenomenal. But, That's cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can't wait for this the framework 3.0 stuff to come out because I think people are just going to do some amazing stuff with it. They're already doing stuff in, in with CTPs right now, but once it comes out, these projects are going to be announced. I guess I don't even have to ask you if you're going to make a WPF front end for it. That's Absolutely. probably already in the works, right? Well, it's it's not already in the works, but it's, it's on one the, of those on things the that I've got some some funding here and I've got some uh, some ideas for that. And cool. um, for the blades, you know, there's a guy on the WPF side of the house. He's like, you know how easy it would have been to create these things in, yeah. in WPF? 
where I'm right. doing Photoshop and some <laughs> right. some cut and paste behind the scenes and that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's an interesting point that this was not your job, right? You were doing something else for a living inside of Microsoft before this info center came along. I'm kind of interested in how you got to work on this. Well, it's it's one of those things. You know, you start off in, in your free time. I think it's something that you know people agreed was a, was a good idea. I mean, we started with it in, in October, right? So October to, to June, it was definitely not uh, getting a lot of bandwidth because you know when we hit beta two, uh, we hit um, releases in, in January the January CDP for for uh, WinFX or Framework 3.0, things just went crazy. So it's been on the back burner here and there. But the last couple of months, people are like, well, you know what, let's let's fund this. Let's get some graphics on it. We, we really believe in it. So the last couple of months, it's just been, um, I've been able to, to edge out some time here and there uh, during regular working hours for it. And it's been great. So, I mean, this was originally your idea. You thought up that I'd like to do these things and sort of noodled together the, the prototype, the idea of what it would look like. There's a guy named Steve DeMarco uh, who actually coughed up the budget for this, so he should get a shout-out for that. Thank you, Steve. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then see, I think it's interesting to me how Microsoft works that somebody with a good idea can simply bring it and, and have it happen. I mean, you, you started off with just an idea, noodled it on your own time, and then showed it to Steve DeMarco who said, wow, and next thing you know, you've got a bunch of people working with you to build a product. There's no doubt in my mind that this is going to be a very popular product, uh, Mark. Uh, you may think that this is like something you're doing on the side now, but I think you're going to get sucked in big time. <laughs> let's, let's let's hope so, right? Because it's been a lot of fun. So um... you got to get that repository up, though, because you know iTunes is like not able to. Apple's not able to keep up with it, and I know you guys can do a better job than they can at something like that. Well, I'm know? an evangelist, so of course I'm going to agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want my customers or, uh, saying, yeah, I want my customers saying, you know, uh, half a year from now, hey, man, forget about iTunes. Can you get me an info center? <laughs> That's what I want to hear. All right. I think this time next year we should have that conversation. So what's the deployment experience going to be like for this? This is, a, this is a chunk of code I need to load onto my workstation. Obviously, I need the framework 2.0 there. Yeah, well, it's got a standard installation. So you'll basically download the bits. Um Basically, what we're going to have is I'll have a link from my blog uh, next week. I'm actually going to time it for uh, the release from uh, when this is going to be broadcast, so July 11th. We'll have mm -hmm. those up there. Mm -hmm. And the, the bits will be hosted up on the Channel 9 servers behind the scenes. Great. Now, i got a question for you. Yep. BitTorrent. Yes. BitTorrent's kind of important, I think, when you're talking about uh, trying to scale any kind of RSS enclosures. I uh, agree. Uh, I've been looking at that, and that's definitely for a V-Next. Um, there's other some other technology that we have in-house, in as you can imagine. Avalanche? I didn't say that. Well, um, that's what it is. I mean, that's the only <laughs> other thing you guys have in-house, I'm pretty sure. I don't know that, but I'm guessing. I'm trying so, like, to take the heat off you here, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's some interesting stuff that, that's going on uh, internally I've talked to a couple of folks about. So we'll see, yeah. but but definitely it's it's something we want to do, but... At the end of the day, I just want to get this first. And this is just right. a CTP, right? This isn't even the release. This is sure. a functional CTP. Let's get it out there. And I'm already starting to get some, some good feedback from folks as well. So let's do that. And then we put it in. Let's make sure we've got a lot of good feedback around that. So it, what would be the most awesome scenario for you in terms of adoption or use of this product, this technology, by Microsoft, by anyone else? What would, what, when, when will you say, well done? When will I say well done? I, I, 
So that's a good question. Um, <laughs> no, realistically, I think that for me, you know, I remember, you know, back in the nineties, it was just a really fun time to develop software. Yeah. And I think right now we have a lot of really great stuff that's coming out down the pipe. Yeah. So if I can get people excited about software, it doesn't matter if it's 10 or a thousand or a hundred thousand, um, you know, it'll be worth the effort. I mean, it, just to help people find this stuff out there. Cause it's, it's difficult. And, you know, I, I talk to people and, and, I can help them out in a one-to-one basis through through my job, yeah. but I don't scale that well. So yeah. for me, having people happy with it, hearing some good feedback, getting to do a V2 or V3, um, that's what I, what I know I'm going to be. We've done well. Yeah, good. I'm going to ask you to hold that thought while we just take a moment to remind the listeners that uh, .NET Rocks is supported by sponsors and advertisers. It's the only way that we can bring this show to you every week. And one of those advertisers is Data Dynamics. They make a product called ActiveReports.net and lots of other great products. Uh, simple, effective, powerful reporting. Very easy. Drop the reports onto your forms and ship them with your product. And uh, they're online at www.datadynamics.com. You know, I was reading about Vista features and the fact that Vista was going to consume RSS in a really great way, although all that description was pretty vague. And you're a Vista guy. I'm just wondering if you've taken a chunk of functionality out of Vista and made it available early. I haven't. Uh, I'm, technically, I'm not on, on, on the Vista team. I'm, I'm over in, in evangelism. But, you know, there's some RSS stuff that's coming. And just like with WPF and, and all the rest, you know, there'll be a version that'll work with that uh, later on. So when you say um, RSS stuff, Richard, are you talking about IE7? Because IE7, IE7 is sort of the core of that, isn't it? The common feed list and all that? Yeah. Do you, Mark, do you use the common feed list? Uh, I use it a little bit. I mean, I, I'm i trying to use InfoCenter as much as possible right now. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've played around with some of the things that are in, in IE7. But, I guess uh, I mean, it, does InfoCenter use the common feed list? It does not. Okay. It does not today. That would be the Vista-ization of InfoCenter when it gets up there. Yeah, or at least the IE7-ization. <laughs> that's the InfoCenter yeah. Vista edition, I think. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, that makes sense. If I put all the features in version one, then no one would want to buy version two. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So this was basically you and a designer, right? Yeah, and uh, and, and Steve providing providing the funding. So, and yeah. Steve and the funding. So three guys basically. And how long? Uh, how many man hours do you think you got into it for this CTP? Oh gosh, you know, late night you start to lose track. <laughs> but uh, there, there's, a the there, 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 there's a fair bit. There's a fair bit. You know, I've worked in product companies, and it's less than, than most products. But, you know, it, it's amazing that, you know, we've got so much stuff internally. And so I had some RSS classes that we had from something else I was yeah. able to cobble together. And, and the frameworks, you know, the framework, you know, looking to when I first started developing to now, I mean, there's, it's just so easy to do some of this stuff. Oh, I mean, you amazing, want to pull down enclosures, use web client, right, system.net. Yeah. Um, and, and that sort of thing. So it wasn't, it wasn't horrendous, but there, there's, there were some late nights and weekends. I owe my wife a vacation, let's put it that way. Yeah. That's good. And what's interesting, of course, is that you immediately focus on the fact that many of the features of InfoCenter that were hard are now easier in the uh, 3.0 framework. 
Uh, yeah. I, I mean, it, not just a little bit easier, just a lot. Ridiculously easier. Yeah. I mean, just looking at some of the things I could have done with workflow, just for the, like the going out and scheduling of things and, and driving through the pulling out of the feeds and, 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 you know, obviously WCF and be able to do some interesting things there. I mean, because yeah. that's my full-time job. It's like sending me back to the dark ages. It's sort of like a little purgatory, but the end result is good. <laughs> <laughs> so um, now you mentioned a portal. Do you, are you have, do you have a portal for InfoCenter? So right now it's going to be uh, on my blog to kick off. Uh, it's all being hosted on the servers, but we don't have uh, the official portal up. So if you go to Mark Mercury, which is M-A-R-C-M-E-R-C-U-R-I.com, uh, you'll find it there. Or if you just do a search for um, the the website, which is Living in a World of Connected Systems, is, is the blog. Okay. We'll uh, also have a link on our site to it. Yeah. And we're actually going to relaunch the – and we – I keep saying we. It's me. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to relaunch the blog site next week to coincide with – um, this going live on your site. Great. So it'll make it much easier to find, and, and uh, I blogged about that today. So Great. And um, the, is it going to be a click-once installation? Uh, it is not. It is not for, for this first version, and I've already cut flack for that. But. Yeah. Is there a reason? Is it just that you didn't, you were lazy, or what? what's the reason? Um, it was, <laughs> yes. I don't know. Well. It, it was, I, I went through a very quick install shield installation. Oh, okay. Uh, to put it together. So, you went with what you knew. Yeah, exactly. That's fine. Exactly. exactly. So it, like like many things, it's it's a CTP. Um, it, it's going to go to click once. I've already been told that it will go to click once, so, yeah. or it should go to click once. So it, it, we'll see that soon. This is great. And I know that you, um, you, you uh, solicited the RDs for content. Have you been doing that a lot, um, going out and trying to find some feeds that you can stick in there as a sort of a starter list? Absolutely. I mean, and that, that's a key part of building something like this, right? It's, it's not just, you can build a television set, but if nobody's broadcasting, it really right. doesn't, it, it's, a, it's a very expensive box. So, so how, many, uh, how many channels do you have in the, in the list? So we focus primarily on the featured channels, right? So we got some of the internal stakeholders here. So we've got mm-hmm. uh, Channel 9 channels for the various pieces there. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked to Laura Foy over on On10, and she's got a set up there. Uh, for the RDs, um, we actually have someone who's going to provide us a noise-free feed that aggregates everything uh, there as well, mm. uh, as well as some of the, the blogs and the community sites that we have. So those will be the featured sites, and there are a number of uh, blogs that people um, here have recommended. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that people may or may not realize is that even internally, right, we, there's an informal feed list and a best of that people will send around for, say, right. WCF or WF. Now, that's an interesting idea. You know, a feed list that, that gets passed around. Um, I mean, uh, do you pass that around with OPML, or is it just like a, a Word doc or a Notepad file? Or much simpler than that. It's it's essentially just a list of um, entries with links. Wow. Someone's built a a website kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what Richard's going to say. I mean, the social networking kind of uh, aspects of sharing feeds is uh, is something to be explored. It's very, and I hate to use it this to say it this way, but it's very Googleish that that which you link to should have priority. The feeds that people are watching ought to be the feeds that are at the top of the list. And this is something I thought about doing in Popcatcher, too, although it's a little bit evil because it uses people's usage data. You know, they'd have to say yes to participate. But if, you know, if you looked at, if you had a live list on the web somewhere of, you know, the ranking of feeds and, you know, in terms of downloading, right, so feeds that are actively uh, being used, that might be a, a good thing to, to see, to go sort of dig-like, you know? 
Yeah, well, there's actually, it's interesting you talk about that, because the, the, the V2, which is sort of like the hard V2, not the incremental, mm. um, is something that with FX 3.0, I want to do some interesting things with card space. But there are two key concepts that I think are critical for something like this. When you look at, at dig and rating and things like that, you know, there, there are some challenges that, that they don't address today, right? So I, I think about context and, and trust. So trust is, you know, what do people that I, you know, I'm going to opt into groups of people that are like me, right? So at mm. a high level, maybe I'm an architect or an IT developer, yeah. an IT person. You know, if I look at one article with the, the viewpoint of an IT person, I might find it totally irrelevant. Right. If I look at it as an architect, it may be awesome. Yeah. So I, I think the, and then there's also, you know, is, is this person someone from, if it's a, a WCF blog, right? If it's someone from Microsoft and they like it, all right, well, then I know that That's, maybe I trust right. them or I'm aware of them. But if it's a, someone for a competing technology that just mm. wants to get in there and does like anonymous post and says this is horrible or try and vote it down, yeah. well, it'd be great that, I, that the people that I looked at the ranking from were people that AI identified with and yeah, B were people point. that I trusted. That's a very good point. It's the, it's the old leaving, uh, you know, insults as comments on Amazon.com syndrome, right? From people who bought a book, they didn't understand what they were getting, and they didn't understand the book, and then they go and spew some crap, and everybody goes, oh, that's a bad book. Yeah. It's really the guy who, who wrote the book on, on the subject for another, another publisher, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. That's, a, that's a, great, uh, a great idea. Uh, when you mentioned card space... Um, you know, the only red flag that went up in my mind is, well, not everybody has is going to be using card space tokens and identities, you know, might be. And, and of course, that's that's what you get. Right. So if you go to dig today, you get a bunch of noise. And, you know, if you if you need if you want those features, you have to use something like card space. Right. When I think what's going to make card space valid is we're seeing over and over again the way to fix this problem is to utilize this technology as part of our app. That's a can't ask for a better, you know, what good sure. is a doorknob if you don't have any doors? Sure. Right? If I can if I can go around and say, "Hey, you know, this is actually a door. Stick this doorknob on it. It'll be better." Well, and yeah, I i7 will will use card space now. Yeah, it it does. Uh, and you know, from an interoperability standpoint, and I don't want to go off on a on a card space evangelism spree here. But I mean, if you look at, you know, things they're doing with, with Sun and they have the, the Glassfish project, we just did some stuff with um, WSIT, I think it was at Sun One, and we also did it at TechEd, showing interoperability there and the different selectors and the open source yeah. uh, aspects of it. I, everyone's really predicting there's going to be, everyone who's, who's working with the technology, whether it's at the Microsoft side or another vendors, are predicting this really big identity, big bang. Yeah. Right. And, and I think for feeds and for community, it really is going to be able to let them go to the next level and provide a whole new level of, of service, right? Yeah. And be able to, to really help you find the things that you're really interested in. By the way, for those listeners who don't know what card space is, that was InfoCard. It's been renamed. I think since we did the show with Kim Cameron, it's been renamed. Yeah. You know, it comes back to the same old concept, which is what are people like me looking at? You know, trying to create that synthesis of I'm an architect. Other architects have spent time trying to figure out what's important to them. I don't want to reinvent this. Give it to me. Right. Exactly. And then there's there's also the ability to, you know, there's self-selection. And there's also selection based, you know, I think you were talking about earlier about uh, selection based on my usage habits. Mm. You right. ever watch Seinfeld, you know, George Costanza always said that he was an architect, but he wasn't an architect, right? Right. Uh, and the same thing happens in, in software. You've got a, 
uh, a dev who says, I'm an architect. But realistically... He's really he's, George Costanza. He's really George Costanza, exactly. <laughs> he's looking for credit for the big salad, and, and, uh, but he's, he's not getting that. So, you know, you want to be able to have both of those. So if I, if I say that I'm an architect, but merely I'm not, maybe the system can be smart enough to help me find stuff that, that people who are looking at the same things and liking the same things are, are coming back with. This, this seems like a, a sort of an attempt at automating, uh, you know, the, the benefit you get by being in a community where people know each other and trust each other. What I mean by that is, you, you know, it's the biggest problem with the information overload that we have and that you're trying to solve here, you know, isn't that so much that somebody can't create an OPML list of all of the content and give it away, but it's that you don't waste any time reading or listening or watching stuff that isn't going to be of value to you. And you don't even have time to sit down and sort them out and test them and, and look at them. I mean, nobody's got the time to do that. You know, this is one of the reasons I think that these podcast community sites are completely useless now because they've got, you know, thousands and thousands of podcasts rated and, you know, up there and all that stuff. But if anybody who just wants something to listen to goes to any one of those things and they look in a particular category and there's a thousand shows to, to sample, quote unquote, well, Jesus, nobody's going to do that, <laughs> you know? So, so these things just by their sheer offerings of these large numbers of, of shows of content are basically turning people away. So how, you know, you mentioned this before, is that hopefully the good stuff will bubble up to the top. Um, this is what you're talking about, isn't it? Is this the only way it can be done? Well, there are other ways too, right? So the other thing is is using categories, right, within within the feeds. Right. So, you know, if you look at, say, a, DVR today, a DVR today, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes they have things called suggestions or recommendations and things like that. And those are based on, all right, you've either self-selected or based on your usage habits, like these types of shows that are also categorized with this. So in, in our case, it could be WCF, WF, WPF. Right. And if these feeds come down, if there are a thousand feeds, let's, you know, show you some recommendations of, of what these four or five uh, entries of those might be of interest to you because they're yeah. well-rated and they're WPF. So there are definitely different ways, ways to go about it. Um, that was a feature that was in there. It's acting a bit funky at the moment. Uh, it may not. It may get pulled by next week. I'm not sure, but it, it'll be there in, in the future. It seems hey. to me that the DJ model works really, really well in this case. You know, instead of going to a record store and I call them record stores. That's what we used to call them, kids. And and <laughs> <laughs> and just saying, oh, I think I'll pick that one. You know, you listen to a radio station. You listen to a DJ that you like. That you you really like the selection of stuff they play. And you like their tastes, and then hopefully you'll you'll hear something. So in a similar way, I mean, .NET Rocks sort of does this, right? We have people on that we think uh, have something important to say, and people trust us, and therefore they listen to the show, rather than, you know, all of the other millions of ways that they could get their information. Because there's a human being in the process, you know, making a judgment call that this is worthwhile, this isn't. But the problem, of course, is that this, this doesn't mix with capitalism and specifically with business relationships, right? I mean, who want, what company wants to say, oh, that book's good, that one sucks. This video's good, that one sucks. You know, and because you really have to do that, <laughs> don't well, you? To sort well, of... well, think about it this way, right? So if, if we all produce feeds, right? And, you know, what happens with television today? You have these production companies, they produce this content, 
and then they they sell that to a network. Right, right? and it goes through a screening process, obviously. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, so what you could do is, in theory, you could have feeds that were, in fact, services. You could have different people that pick those up, and you could either broadcast your own network, or you could have people that... Suppose, um, you know, Dombox is always a, a favorite, right? So maybe, or right. Kim Cameron, right? right? If you want an identity channel, what are the things that Kim Cameron finds interesting or, right. you know, any person finds interesting? And they could market that as a channel because there's a level of, you know, getting back to trust, right? There's a person that you trust mm-hmm. and they're t- you're going to say that they're going to know, you know, they're the master programmers for a particular topic. And then if you feed into them and then their services are, are again, using maybe, say, card space for payment or things like that are... Um, Basically, you can download them for a cost, just like you do for like an iTunes-type service today, but you're getting a channel of all these different uh, aggregations that this guy has put together. Yeah. Essentially, you're either paying for his editorial time, which is the toughest thing, because you know, at, at the end of the day, no matter how we put all this stuff together, um, you need to have a human in there somewhere, right? And that's because, the thing, is that it costs money, and the kind of money that the, the people who are qualified to make those decisions are going to want far outweighs what they can get from either a subscription to a newsletter or, you know, uh, that kind of thing, I think. So, I mean, the model has worked for us to have sponsors. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to do this, uh, to have advertisers. But, you know, uh, but I, th- I, don't, I don't know. I think, I think if you went to anybody who has, you know, who has the credibility to discern and they have a job already, you know what I mean? It's, yep. it's going to be tough to, uh, to get them to to do that work. I mean, it's not fun work. And I honestly don't know as if people will pay for it. I don't know what you think, but I don't think people will pay for it. It, it, it depends. I think that the content itself needs to get to a certain level of maturity. And I think with right. when you look at things like Channel 9 and the amount of video that they're producing, if you look at if someone pulled all the... I've got brothers that are in college, right? Mm. And I'm sure that if you pulled together like a certain segment of videos on YouTube... Mm-hmm. That they'd pay like five dollars or you know something ridiculous for to get access to that and sort of share them with their buddies and things like that. So I think there's there's a model there. It's just it's we're not going to see it for a couple of years. Mm. So um, so we'll see. I mean, yeah, we'll you, see. you never know. You, you never know. Never I mean, know. If you said RSS was going to be the future uh, with video uh, podcasting and things like that ten years ago, people were like all well, right, but there's the radio one, shows on the web. That, but there's one trend that you can't deny has only gotten stronger, and that is people don't want to pay for content on the web. It hasn't gotten you know people aren't paying more for stuff; they're paying less. And what 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 I mean by content is, you know, video, audio, that kind of stuff. Of course, people will buy things, physical goods, and have them shipped. But if it's bits, nobody wants to pay. I think the issue here is really people don't aren't willing to pay subscriptions for content. Subscription fees just aren't working. It's you've got to collect your money a different way. People will always pay. You know, you have to pay for content somehow, but they don't want to pay directly for it. You've got to come up with an indirect way that that they're willing to to uh, survive. Right, and, and sometimes it's the box, right? Because you could deliver this through a cable operator, right? Sure. And and the cable and people, yeah, four ninety nine on demand. I'm used to paying that. I think it's just because the web has traditionally been free. Maybe through that mechanism, it's it's not the same. But then you have iTunes where people are willing to pay money for, like Ricky Gervais, a British comedian. I'll pay for his podcast because it's <laughs> right. entertaining and, and, and whatever. Right. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, you know, invariably, you know, one of the hopes for me is that if we give this stuff away for free, uh, invariably someone will find a way to make money on it. Sure. Well, we certainly have. I mean, I make no bones about it that, you know, our model is give the content away, be consistent and be regular and um, 
and we took I you know we we did the first year I say I'm using the royal we again. I did the first year of the show all by myself without making a dime and I put up a lot of time and effort and money, you know, of my own money. And when it began getting big enough that we actually needed help with bandwidth, Microsoft helped us and uh, we got some sponsors and that's how we did it, but you know, we had to stick our neck out for a good year. And um and also it was it was timing was good for us. I'm not so sure that you could do that again today. I'm not so sure. There are points where market doors are closed. It's very hard to make a new entry into something like that. Yeah, we'll see. It's interesting. I'm very interested in seeing the product, of course, you know, near and dear to our heart. And uh, and uh, I can't, what can I say? I can't wait. Now, the focus so far we've looked at the product is very much from the point of view of the tech person sitting at his desk having a better way to pull in information about the things they're concerned about. And we've alluded occasionally to the idea of this used in the corporate space. Maybe we get a little more into the idea of how you'd use this in a bigger organization to distribute internal information to internal people. Yeah. Sure. Well, in the, the application itself is run through this XML configuration file, and it points to the feeds that you want to have consumed inside of the application. So instead of having the feed be on the, uh, the, the InfoCenter main site, you can point to that particular feed being running from your internal site. Right. Um, so you, you could do that uh, very easily. Now, as far as creating the feeds themselves, I do have uh, a feed wizard, which is basically a wizard that you can step through, and it makes it very easy to go ahead and create a feed from scratch. Uh, because there are a couple of um, feed tools out there, but uh, you know, a, people charge for them, which is their right because they built them. Um, but I wanted to give something away with this so people could make it easy to go ahead and, and incorporate some things. But yeah, and, and, you know, beyond the corporate space, you know, right now, you know, you know, I'm hoping that people will take this and say, you know what, I can use this for other types of content as well. Because essentially it's a television set, right? It doesn't care what Absolutely. sort of information it is. It's just right. waiting out on a certain channel or waiting on a certain frequency, right? So Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Here, I'll give you a spin on this neighborhood site, right? Got a bunch of technical enough people around the neighborhood that are, into this sort of thing, and you want to have a way to share information without having to recreate it to share it. So setting up feeds oriented on this is the stuff my neighbors would be interested in, to, in, and then being able to have my neighbors subscribe to that source and participate in that source mm. so to create a common base. You used to have to do this with a blog, right? I'd, okay, I'd make a shared blog, but then I'm double posting. I got my blog <laughs> and the neighborhood blog. What I really want to do is post once and market in such a way that I know my neighbors will get it. Yeah. You know, you could do neighborhood, you could do classrooms, right? So if, if your kid's yeah. teacher wants to be able to share information about what's going on in the agenda and things like that, or the school blogs or, or uh, community team blogs and that sort of thing. Absolutely. I mean, and, and that's, that's one of the reasons why I built everything with the external configuration and all the rest is yeah. I'm building it for, you know, the audience that, that I target as part of my job during the day, right? But there's no reason why it needs to be limited to that. And eventually we'll let people actually do some skinning of it so you can make it look a lot different as well. So That was my next question, actually, was uh, skinning and plugins, both uh, on the, in the queue? They're on the horizon, yeah. So the, the, a lot of time was spent on building the controls. Like, again, it would have been ridiculously easy to do this stuff in WPF. Right. But trying to get them to look really snazzy <laughs> in forms took a little bit of, uh, of some challenges and things like that. But, yeah, yeah. it's definitely on the horizon. Awesome. Mark, uh, we're wrapping up here, and I usually ask my guests uh, a question towards the end of the show, which is, 
Have you seen something on the web recently or online, or maybe you got a new toy, something that's outside of your normal realm of experience that you think is cool and you want to share? Yeah, you know, there's there's a website. I mentioned earlier I travel quite a bit, and there's, um, have, you, have you ever heard of Orb? O-R-B? Yeah. Only in, only in Woody Allen's Sleeper, and I don't think we can talk about that. <laughs> All right. It's this website, right? And you can download um, this onto your media center. Right? I've got a media center at home. And went up in five minutes. It was basically allowing me to anywhere in the world to tap into the content of my media center and stream it out. And it was, oh, okay. there was no cost for it. Oh, it was wow. really cool. So I'm a, I'm a gadget guy. I've got like the Slingbox and, you know, the two TiVos, the Comcast DVR and all the rest. That's but this where I heard about re- this. Was was awesome. Yeah, I heard about that in the context of Slingbox. I just couldn't place it. So this is Orb.com? Uh, yeah, www.orb.com. I guess they get a free plug. So this allows you to stream your WMAs and movies and whatever you have in Media Center, basically, to... Yeah, to... so you get your pictures, your, your, um, your recorded video, live television. Wow. And all the rest, and there, there's no charge for it. So it, it taps into the media center, and I'm not sure exactly how it does that. Wow. Uh, a buddy of mine sent me the link, and I've been a happy user ever since. But it, it's sort of obscure, but it, it's great. I'm sure they'll charge at some point, but until they do, I'm, I'm happy. You know, it's funny, Mark, that you bring that up, because our last week's show with John Rauschenberger, he also mentioned media center and the whole Transcode 360 thing, which is this tool to convert any uh, video format that you might have on your media center to the WMV format that the Xbox 360 uses in, as a uh, media center extender, which I thought was really cool. This is another great add-on, being able to take it right outside of your home altogether and get that same media center content wherever you are. Absolutely. Cool. And one other quick thing is you talk about the 360. I'm not sure if everyone's tested the 360 since they did their upgrade, but they've got lots of really cool content and things on there now, and the ability to download lots of, of demos in a queue, which you couldn't do before. So that would be my other neat thing, is, is the new features in the Xbox 360 upgrade. Maybe what you Maybe. really need to do is burn this uh, info center into the Xbox. <laughs> there you go. That's a whole other animal. That's a whole other show right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm also fascinated to see where this product ends up, how it ends up looking inside of Vista as well. Are you going to publish the code? Are we going to be able to see how you built it? Possibly, possibly. I, okay. I've um, I've kicked that around. At, at the very least, I think we'll publish out the controls so you can okay. build your yeah. own. Once you have the controls, the rest of it is gravy, right? I mean, it's not that difficult. Uh, like there's a well, download. And there was something there's... about when I looked at the app. There was something about it that made me think. You know, this is very Vista looking. It's got that concept of the new UI, and I'm going to be fascinated to see what the changes are like going forward when you move it to Vista and you do go to WPF or you know, framework 3.0 and what changed, what became easier, what code left that you no longer had to be responsible for. I think it's a great endorsement of the new libraries that are coming. Well, yeah, I mean, one of the things is, I'm not sure if you've ever seen um, one of the medical demos that we have, but with Vista, because you can take these surfaces and then rotate them out on certain axes, it really lets you do some very interesting things as far as um, presentation of content. So suppose you had your list of the channels that you liked and you wanted to look at one. Well, today you've got to go click on that. It shows you a different screen, and then you see the content, and then I hit back, and I go back to that other screen. But with, with WPF, you can actually rotate that list of channels off to the left-hand side at, a, at an angle, but it's still totally usable, and then look at things full screen. And mm-hmm. then I can go ahead and click on the things on the side, and it, it's a much nicer experience. It's something that, that I hadn't thought of when I thir- first thought of WPF, but when they actually put this out to the demo, 
um, the team really surprised me. It started opening up a lot of ideas as far as what you could do with, with an RSS-type uh, application. Very good. And that was the Scripps Institute demo that I... It's, it's starting yeah, to circulate it. now. It's A year from now, we're all going to go, oh, yeah, the Scripps Institute demo. Just the same way we react to Northwind. Like, it's going to be everywhere. It's really sort of the first, one of the earliest real Vista-like apps out there. Yes. Well, Mark, when you publish the controls... Would you uh, come back and do a DNR TV uh, video uh, demonstration with us? Absolutely. Absolutely. It would be my pleasure. Excellent. And I, I really got to thank you for choosing .NET Rocks as the vehicle to announce this product. I feel honored. Oh, it was, uh, if you're going to go with someone, go with the best, right? So, uh, ah, we'll thanks so much. Next week. Thanks, you're too kind. Mark McCurry, thank you very much again. And uh, Richard, as always. And this for you, dear listener, and we'll talk to you next week on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks can be found online at www.dotnetrocks.com and at msdn.microsoft.com slash dotnetrocks. .NET Rocks is edited each week by Jeff Maciolik, that's me, and Carl Franklin, who is also executive producer. All music heard on .NET Rocks, including Toy Boy, the theme song, is created and produced by Carl Franklin and Franklin Brothers Band. Carl never sleeps. .NET Rocks is produced for Franklin's Net by Plop Productions, providing professional audio and podcasting services online at www.pwop.com. Plop, it's time to get your impact back. Yes, I'm a, a